Welcome to the Getting Off Course Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Waldron, and this is our first episode of 2022. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Kim Llewellyn. Kim played college golf at the University of North Carolina. Following her time at UNC, Kim competed on the LPGA Futures Golf Tour and the Women's European Professional Golf Tour. Today, however, I'm hoping to talk with Kim about her incredibly successful career as a college golf coach. Thanks for joining me, Kim. Thank you, Josh. I'm glad to be here. Happy New Year. Thank you. Appreciate that. Same to you. So you've had a ton of success, both as a golfer and as a golf coach. When did you know that this sport would play a central role in your life? You know, I I didn't know that it would ever be my career as it is now. Um, But I fell in love with the game. It was first something that my father and I did together. Uh, Then I met through, you know, through high school. I loved it. I was an only child. And so this allowed me to have a lot of team, um, you know, teammates and people around me. And, and um, those, those became my brothers and sisters on the golf course. And, and so that, the, the love of the game came from more of the camaraderie with, within the game. And um, I found that out in high school. And I'll be honest, I've played or been around the golf course probably every day of my life since I was 14 years old. I love every minute of it. Wow. Very cool. So you graduated from UNC in 1993, and then you competed professionally for nearly a decade. Did you anticipate a move toward coaching at some point, or did that happen organically? Well, I loved to compete, and while I was competing, I was also a golf instructor. So I taught golf. Uh, I was at Carmel Country Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was at um, had a golf academy also in Charlotte and Matthews at Highland Creek. And so um, was a teacher and also played competitively. I never knew that I would go into coaching. It, it was by accident. I had been out of the business when my first when my children were first born for about two years and I wanted to get back into it. And I was in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was putting my resumes out as a golf instructor. And while I was doing that, I ran into the athletic director at the Citadel at a tennis match that I was at watching. And I knew him because he was from Raleigh, Les Robinson. And he was the, he was the NC State athletic director and I had been from that area. So I went up to him and said, you know, if you have anything in the golf area uh, at the Citadel, I would love to, to be a part of it. I knew that they had a men's team and a women's team they had just started. So um, the next day he called me up and said, well, I have a marketing position. Anyone that's just going to walk up to me in the tennis match. And I said, thank you, but no, but let me know if, if anything in the golf area comes about. And sure enough, two days later, he said, I have a position for your a men's and women's uh, golf coach at the Citadel. And I said, I'll take it. And it was perfect for me. It was a part-time position. Um, And I fell into the love of coaching there. And then it evolved from there to East Carolina. Then um, I was there for two years and then Virginia for 12, 13 years. um, And then ended up here at Wake Forest, which is is close to home for me, brought me back home. It's kind of nice. It sounds like things all just worked out. Like it wasn't that you had a plan, but it... It came together. 
Mm -hmm. Very much so. Very cool. So when you make that shift to coaching, how do you handle the transition mm -hmm. from being the competitor to being the guide to a competitor? You know, I think as a competitor, especially for me, so I mean, you know, I mean no one's going to ever know me, you know, I, I never won a U.S. Open. I never won um, an LPJ event. I did, I did very well on this, the Symmetra Tour and the and um, European Tour, but I did, you know, I was always searching. So I was always, I wasn't the strongest person out there. So I was always trying to find a weight program that was going to elevate me there. I was, didn't have the best golf swing at that time, um, especially at the beginning stages of my college career, and started working to find that and find ways to hit the ball better, to hit the ball uh, further, to hit the ball straighter. And, and through that, um, had so many influences. Um, uh, I was around so many good golf instructors. I was around David Orr and Mike Bender and the, um, Andy Plummer and um, Mike Adams. And I mean, I can just go on and on and on about the, the, the people that I've been surrounded with trying to find the answers for my game. Sure. Probably I was a good putter and chipper, so I probably needed to spend more time there. Cause that's probably where I don't excel in reference to, to helping my players as much as I could. But, but so just by me find, looking for ways to become better, to compete, I think has allowed me to help my players become better because um, I know what they're going through. I know that they want to get better, and I, and I hope that I have some avenues um, through experience that could help them do that. So be, being competitive and trying to compete at a high level, I think is, um, you know, I've been able to, to, to help and guide these players and maybe into some areas that things that I was looking for too. Yeah, that makes sense. So when I first heard your name, you were the head coach at the University of Virginia, where, by the way, you were pretty successful. How did you end up at Wake Forest? Um, that's a great question because I absolutely love the University of Virginia. And in my mind, probably thought that was going to be, you know, my final spot. Um, we had a lot of success there. Um, you know, many final fours, you know, very close to winning national championships. And, and it, it was a great place for me to be. Um, saying that I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. I grew up there. I'm an only child. My mother, um, uh, 83, four years old and looked at me, you know, Diane Daly, who was the coach at Wake Forest prior to me. She's a legend. She was one of my best friends. Well, to be honest, we were sitting there at lunch and she said, you know, would you want to take over for me? And thought never even crossed my mind. We were actually brainstorming on, on, um, people that she, that could replace her. So I, I said, well, this just took me for a little bit of a, you know, whirlwind. Uh, you know, I really like where I'm at. Let me just, let me talk to my, to my family. I called my mother and she said, she said, Kim, I'm just never going to move to the mountains. So you're going to have to come close here. And saying that, um, I've always loved Wake Forest University. I love that it's, it's a golf school. Arnold Palmer went here. You know, it's known for um, its golf programs. And, and so um, it was sort of a family decision as well as a career choice. You know, this is a place that, that I can live the rest of my life and, and in my coaching career. Um, to where my mother can also um, come and be a part of it as well. So I'm here at Wake Forest. I live on the 13th tee box of our home course. I drive a golf cart to work, by the way, because our facility is a pitching wedge away. 
and I'm building my mother a, a in-law suite on the house. So it, it worked out being a great family and career decision for me. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like the perfect move. Yes, yes. It's kind of cool too, as a side note, that you stepped in to fill the shoes of someone who you were already friends with mm -hmm. and who has a 30-year legacy with the program. Right, like you're right. taking the baton. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's wonderful because even though you've coached a long period of time like I have to all to to take over for someone who you respect to who, who's done well with the program who you can still go to and ask questions and and brainstorm with um you know it's nice to have her still here and around and and um someone so close to you that's that was that was and and is successful to still to have bounce bounce ideas off of it's 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 um it's a wonderful um fortunate uh, friendship to have. Yeah. So quick random side note here. You're on the 13th hole of the golf course. Yes. <laughs> how, how many times has your house been hit with a golf ball? I'm actually between the walk of the green to the tee. Okay. So I will have to say, I do hear a lot of profanity off the tee box. Sure. <laughs> so I do. <laughs> a lot of people that are hitting hitting the, because I'm right at the tee box, hitting shots they don't like. I clearly know if it's a good shot or a bad shot. <laughs> Love it. All right. So I know very little about golf recruiting, but I'd love for you to share some of your insights here. Starting with how does a talented high school golfer get on your radar? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And, and, I would say the 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 players that I have catch my eye the most um, are the ones that it's clear that they love the game. And I know that sounds, you know, because it's hard to even put words to it, but I can go out, I, you go watch junior events where there's 110 girls and you're watching them. I, I love the ones that love the game that um, you can tell are running up and looking to see where their shot ended up. Or um, when they get done, even if they're not excited about how they did, they're still going to the putting green mm -hmm. and having a putting contest with their buddies. You know what I mean? This is where they want to be. If you combine that love of the game with good information, so good instructors behind you, um, maybe somebody else around you, whether it's a parent or someone that's um, with you often that has a good golf IQ. Those are things that I'm looking for that I think will help continue to elevate that player to, to their full potential. Um, so, yeah, love of the game, good information and a great golf IQ um, from somebody around them. Those are, those are the things that I'm looking for. Yeah. So I think about like college football and how competitive that recruiting is. Is there intent, like an intensity to golf recruiting or how does a golfer end up at Wake Forest versus UVA or UNC? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a great question. I, I, feel, I feel like the intensity is probably more within the coach and the coaches being, you know, are we making the right decisions? Um, you know, for golf, for the, for the, I would say for most 
programs. We have six full scholarships. We're giving six full scholarships. So for me to make a commitment, you've got, I'm at Wake Forest University, it's $80,000 a year here. Yeah. <laughs> so for me to pay, to, to say, I'm going to offer you a four-year scholarship at $80,000 a year, plus everything that comes with it. So let's just say that it's $100,000 a year by the time I've paid for your travel for competition, you know, equipment, the uniforms you get, your tutors, yada, yada. You know, let's say it's $400,000 that that I'm having to make sure I make a right call on, you know? So I think um, for me, if any of that is the pressure to make sure that I'm making the right decision for the, on behalf of the university. And so that, that for me is where the anxiousness comes from. Sure. But I think, you know, why someone will pick a school, I think varies for so many different reasons. I mean, I've had somebody pick a school because there's a yogurt machine in the, in the <laughs> locker room. I mean, so, I mean, you've got, you know, that's just FYI. That's not a good reason to go to I'm school. with you. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to convince me. So, but no, you know, but, um, but so there, there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people go to different places. Um, I think that as soon as you walk onto a place, as soon as you um, meet the, see the campus, feel the, the energy at the golf facility, feel the energy um, around campus and, and is this, is, do I want a small campus? Do I want a big campus? Do I want a private school? Do I want a public school? There's so many different things. Is the golf facility close to where, um, you know, my dorm is? I think that's huge. You know, I mean, I was fortunate to, at UVA and here that, that, you know, we're, we're only, you know, UVA was only a mile and here we're a hundred yards from the dorm. And so, you know, those are important things to look at. Um, and I think, uh, so many people have different reasons why they, why they choose they, to end up at Wake Forest. You're going to want to, um, we're a small private school. And so you're going to get that feeling. You're going to go into a classroom where there's the minimum, the maximum of 25 yeah. people. You're going to know your professors and you're going to want that close knit community and knowing your professors. But then there are going to be some people that want to sit in the back of the room and never, ever know a professor, right. you know. So it depends on what you're looking for. And um, I would tell any recruit out there to, to, to really know what you're looking for and then um, visit, you know, visit some schools and, and see where you fit. So your current roster consists of five American students mm -hmm. and five international students. You've got golfers from Spain, Switzerland, Thailand, England, and Ireland. Do international golfers approach any aspects of the game differently? That's a great question. I would say, you know, if you'd asked me this question 10 years ago, it would even be different than it is now. Okay. Um, you know, 10 years ago, so the, the way that the international junior golf, the way that they go about it is they have national teams. So you're going to have a, the, Switzerland has a national team and they take the best Swiss athletes and they give them the best information and they grow them to be Olympians. Right. And so, um, you would see that throughout all of the, the different countries. And here in the States, we didn't quite do that, um, because the state were, were huge. Um, and now that I, I, I say now we're starting to see more of that in the United States. And what I mean is you will see a, a, young junior golfer that has 
great instruction. They have workout programs. They may have even a sports psychologist to talk talk to. They have these group of people that all of these other countries always had, the, the juniors had around them because the, the country was providing that. Now you're starting to see that with the, the Americans. So um, I would say that's more of a level ground now in that area. You will see, um, depending on which country they're from, you might see tendencies as you would here. You know, I have my um, my young ladies that are from Europe, um, from Britain, um, Spain. They're going to be really good in the wind. Okay. You know, I mean, they are used to the wind. They can flight their ball. They actually have a little bit of a different chipping style. Um, they may not be used to seeing Bermuda grass, though. So that's something that they come over here and need to get accustomed to. Um, but then you've got somebody from Thailand who, oh, they're used to the really warm weather. Sure. So, you know, th- th- none of that bothers them. They're, they're used to a little bit of warmer grasses, so Bermuda grasses, thicker grained um, grasses. And so they're used to that. Um, so a lot of it is um, for them coming over here, uh, figuring out the different grasses that they're going to be playing across the, the United States and, and learning how to play from them. So it's a great learning tool here in the States, because we get every single grass you can imagine. And um, so it's a great learning tool for them. And I think that's why a lot of them come over here before they go to play professionally to, to take, to, to have that learning curve. Yeah. So what does a division one golf practice look like? Do you and coach Potter have a plan for the whole group? Are you working on individual skills? Kind of give me the rundown for practice. We arrange practice uh, base. It's, it's totally individual and so we base it off of we take detailed stats and actually coach Parter is very very good at this and um he can probably tell you every shot that every player's hit in in every college tournament so um you know he really really takes detailed notes and, and is great with that and so we will look at those stats and we will come up with prac we actually and we present them to each player okay and these players have been educated a lot of them throughout their junior careers and and especially within the first few months that they are here so they look at them and then they can take a little bit of ownership and say oh i see where you know i'm I'm great for my wedges you know from the fairway but look at out of the rough i'm only getting you know i'm only i'm five over out of the rough from from 130 and in but i'm seven under in the fairway so um, we'll, we'll give that to them and then we'll, we'll give them ideas of how to practice to, to perform better in those areas. So we're always looking for the quick, low hanging fruit. Hey, you know, you have three, three putts around. If we get that to, to one, look what you're going to mm-hmm. do. Let's do this right now immediately. And then we'll have long-term goals. Let's say someone needs to pick up some distance, which takes a little bit longer to do. Here are the ways to do that. So we're always looking at each person individually. We always tackle the low-hanging fruit quickly because then we can get the scores down, figure out the things that might get t- take a little bit longer and have goals with that. But each one of them, it's based off what we see in their stats, and then we figure out ways together with them to help them um, check those boxes as yeah. needed. Do you find that there is some low-hanging fruit that seems to be a common thing that golfers can fix? Yes don't know if I should say it. Though. Hey, I <laughs> trade secrets. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> you can tell me off the air. <laughs> but I will say, I will say for a junior golfer, 
just practice your speed on your putting. Yeah. I want you to, to speed putt, speed putt. I want you to be able to putt uphill and know the speed and then immediately be able to putt downhill and know the speed and know, you know, that it's going to take a lot more time on downhill putt to get to the hole than it is an uphill putt. And, and you know, constantly trying to get within 10% of the length of the putt. So if it's a 20-foot putt, be with two feet from the hole. If it's a 30-foot putt, be three feet from the hole. If it's a 40-foot putt, be four foot from the hole. But training good speed because if you can nail that and and that just comes with a lot of reps mm-hmm. um, and figuring out what works well for you, you're going to come in ahead of the game. So I would I would say to everybody that that would be a good one to work on. Yeah, thanks for letting us look behind the curtain a little bit there. Appreciate it. <laughs> so your next match takes place in February. What does game day look mm-hmm. like for you and for Coach Potter? What are you guys doing? I don't even know. Like, can you be with a, a certain player as you go? Like, what does it look like? That is interesting because it's different depending on the teams that you have at that moment. So right now um, we have a very mature team that's competed a lot. So all of, not all, most of our prep work is going to be before. We're going to know the golf course. We're going to have already discussed it. They're going to have already worked on what they need to work on. So we're just going to sprinkle in it in and out and you can have you can be a caddy except for carrying the clubs as a coach but we'll just sprinkle in and out throughout the round to see oh you know that pin's actually um if you hit it a foot by it's actually going to end up 20 feet by be careful of that or you know wherever we may see something that uh, might catch them off guard that's where we're going to go in and help them um, if someone might be having a moment where they might need a little bit of a change in um, uh, their mental uh, mental thought process, maybe um, change their, their attitude a different way, we'll go in there and try to do that. But then there may be a team that would be look a lot different, that they may be more hands-on, and we may be actually caddying for that player from the moment they tee off to the moment they're done. Yeah. Um, and, and in any career, you've got – You've got times where you're really confident in yourself, and then you have times where you're really not. And those times where you're really not, you may need somebody there to to be your confidence. And so just being really aware of when that happens um, and when somebody might need to, need a little bit more than they need needed, uh, you know, four months before. So mm-hmm. um, just being uh, emotional intelligence and um, being able to go in when you can you need to, and you can be helpful. Um, and knowing when you're going to be harmful and to, to, to not go. Yeah. Do you feel the stress that you think your players are feeling during a match, or are you kind of mm-hmm. removed from it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they, they play so much um, competition and competitive golf. Um, I think it's always harder to watch than to be in the moment. Hmm. Because in the moment... Um, especially if you're playing well um, and you've checked all your boxes, you're, you feel good out there and you feel like you want to be the one holding the golf club. So uh, I think that it's harder to watch. It's harder to watch and not say anything when you want to, but you know that might be harmful, not helpful. I don't know if that answered your question, actually. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> curious. And mm-hmm. are players... Yeah from other schools are they talking back and forth with your team or is it pretty quiet Mm -hmm. as they go through their round 
It's a great question. So the, when I coached men, no one ever said anything. I mean, if you got a good shot, there was not. There was just – they were playing. That's what they were doing. But not with the with the lady golfers. They're back and forth talking to each other. They By the end, they could tell you, you know, who their partner is, where they're going that weekend, if they've had a great vacation, what their major is, you yeah. know. I mean, no, it's a lot different in men's golf than women's golf. There's a – there's a lot of camaraderie out there with the with the young ladies and and by the time they graduate not only are their best friends on their team but a lot of times their best friends are from other teams too fun when you're traveling so i looked at your schedule going back to like last fall and then coming into this spring do you feel like you have an advantage when you're in like you know north carolina or warm season grass areas Versus when you have to go up mm -hmm. to Ohio and play on cool season grasses? Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, we have players that play in cold winter grasses. So my, my young ladies from Britain and my from Ireland and even from Switzerland. Then I've got players who grew up, like I said, in Thailand or in Florida or in uh, more, of a, more southern states or southern areas of the world. And so... Um, everybody has a little bit of something that they might be a little more comfortable at. Um, it's our job to know what, where we're going and to be able to equip them with the tools to be able to perform well there. So if we know we're going up north, we're going to do our best to find and simulate that here before we leave. If we know we're going to go out to south or we know we're going to go to Greyhawk um, and play NCAAs, we're going to do our best to simulate that. Um, and my goal as a coach, especially for these ones that want to go play as a career, is to make sure that they've hit every single grass and every single thing that they may see when they play on tour so they have a skill set that um, is going to help them be successful. So um, that's a goal that we have, and um, it's something that we also need to be able to do for them to, to make sure they perform for us when, when we need them to. Yeah, and is that a goal for – most of the ladies on the team to play post-college? I would say out of, I have 10 young ladies on the team and I would say for six of them, yes. So okay. um, I would say, I would say typically half want to. And, and, and at this, the level that I'm at now, I would say that that's um, probably going to happen. I mean, those six are definitely going to have professional status. And I would say, you know, they're going to have a really good chance to 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 play and and win at the next level. So um, there have been it, you know, throughout my coaching career, I've had different teams and different times that that um, you may have one or two players, and that others may actually just want to be in the golf industry. It was really neat when I was at the Citadel. They were typically a little bit of a higher handicap or player, but I had in one team. Um, four of them went into the golf business. They were good golf. They, they picked it up late. They were just fair golfers. They were a little bit high handicapper. They got into college, loved the game. It taught them another tool, and they used that to be successful um, in the golf business. So um, you can use golf in many different ways. They can play at the level or be in the golf industry or just use it to, to have a good time once you're, once you're out of here. All right, so – no flattery intended here, but it seems like wherever you go, success follows. Have you thought about writing a book with all your uh, coaching secrets? Ah, my husband says that often. Um, and so that's interesting that you say that. Um, 
And I have probably, I had, it's funny that you said it. So when I was at, at Virginia, I did a lot of writing and I um, had written a few little articles for some things, but I always I had written so many things. Fortunately, I kept the hard copies in a folder because I lost them all on my hard drive. When oh I man, <laughs> that's the worst. So, that, that feeling too. <laughs> right. Um, but I appreciate that. And um, I, I appreciate that, you know. I love coaching. I love being around young, um, like-minded women. It's always something to talk about, always something to complain about because there's a shot that we can't figure out and we're all trying to do it. So um, I love it, and uh, and I hope that shows um, through my teams and, and, and hope they walk away uh, enjoying this game as much as I do. Yeah. Why do you think your teams have been consistently successful? You know, I, I I I would say I hope that it's you know some some of it. There's some piece of something that I do that I don't know I do, yeah. Um, because I can't put a finger on it. Um, but I hope there's something that I do that that helps them reach their goals. Um, but I have players that just have wanted it, and and um, my players that performed and played really well at at. East Carolina and, and Virginia and here they've all wanted it. So um, even if I'm not up there at the at the at the office, they're there and and they're wanting it and they're putting their reps in and they're thinking about it and they're texting me at night and showing me a, a video of a, of a golf swing that they they that they love or you know uh, I've just I've been fortunate to have passionate young ladies that want it and hopefully I, I just keep allowing that love and want to to keep going throughout their college so yeah i don't know i hope i'm a little piece of it but they've always uh i've really had passionate players one other side note here so you mentioned your husband does he golf mm -hmm. yes he is a he's a great golfer he's probably he is very much my the person I go to I've got five questions for him tonight you know and in reference to golf in reference to um something within the business um he's my great sounding board um very smart very thoughtful and um I wouldn't be as successful as I am if it wasn't for him and I'll get teary-eyed but you can I don't have the camera <laughs> on, so that's good I can't hand, hand you a tissue so you're on your own <laughs> if you guys play head-to-head -head, Who's winning that match? He plays more than me. So I would have said always me. But to be honest, if I think if we teed it up right now, I mean, he may have to give me strokes because he plays a lot more than I do. And he's a lot stronger than I am. <laughs> so first of all, thanks so much for your time. I've learned a lot. I would love to wrap things up with a 10-question lightning round. Okay. So... Most of these questions are golf related, and then there's just okay. a few random ones at the end. Am I going to know the answers to these, Josh? I'm not. I would not embarrass you because I would hate okay. if someone did that to me. <laughs> they're more. Uh, okay. They're more Kim opinion questions. If that makes sense. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Question one: What's the first skill you think a new golfer should focus on? The first skill that a new golfer should focus on would be being strong enough to manage the golf club. 
So that could look like they need to be physically strong enough to manage the golf club and make sure that there's a golf club that is fitting them well enough that it's not overpowering them, allowing them to get to 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 get new swing flaws. Question two. Is there a golf habit that really annoys you? Like are there player quirks or things that just kind of bother you? I think when somebody complains about the elements because or elements or they've gotten in a divot because um, I think it was Seve and he grew up and he played um, where the conditions weren't great. And he always thought a lie was a lie. You know, I mean, if it was in a divot or if it was in not a great lie, well, that's just part of the game because a lie is a lie, you know, and that's yeah. just part of it. Um, and I think, I think we get wrapped up that we should always have a nice lie. And we are, we are, um, fortunate to get a lot of good lies and a lot of good grasses and we play a lot of good tournaments, but, um, but the, but the game is a lie is a lie. So, you know, you're going to be in a divot, you're going to be, um, in the rough and, and if you hit it in the woods, you're going to be maybe behind a tree, but a lie is a lie. And I think Sevy, um, you know, taught us that. So I think my pet peeve a little bit is when um, somebody's in the fairway and they might be in a divot and they're, they're complaining about it because a lie is a lie. Sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, Wake Forest plays at Old Town Club. In your opinion, what's the toughest hole on that course? Mm-hmm. Oh, Old Town. Beautiful golf course. Um, if you ever have a chance to play it, you need to. Um Hardest golf hole. It seems like folks, it's a par three and it's number 11. And you wouldn't think that that would um, be the hardest one, but they'll put that pin over there to the right. And there's a hazard that goes all around the right side. And um, for whatever reason, whether male, female, low handicapper, best in the world, um, a few of those balls go in that water. So I'm, I would say for some reason, um, number 11. All right. I'm partial to par three holes, so sounds like fun. <laughs> so question four, does the Wake Forest team have a sponsor for golf gear, balls, that sort of stuff, or do they get to pick their own? Um, all soft goods were Nike. So Nike's um, very good to us, um, and they seem to, the clothes seem to perform well for us. Um, in all conditions. So Nike soft gear. Um, other than that, they um, are allowed to choose what they like. Most of my young ladies um, are Ping and Titleist. TaylorMade is pretty popular. So those three. Um, and then most everybody plays Titleist balls. We may have um, one that'll play a Bridgestone. So, um, but but yeah, besides Nike and our soft goods, they have a, they can choose what they like. Okay. So I enjoy a good rivalry. Who is Wake Forest's biggest golf rival? Even though they're some of my closest friends, Duke and then Stanford. So those are two of our biggest. Okay. Well, I always root against Duke, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll keep that, that in mind. <laughs> I grew up in Connecticut, so UConn basketball oh. is my whole life. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I grew up in like the Duke... UNC, Kentucky, yeah. Kansas, all those teams were dominant through my childhood. But Duke was yeah. the one we really did not like. So. Right. I think I've, you know, being in the ACC and coaching so long in the ACC, 
Um, I've played a lot of final matches against Duke. So, um, and they're some of my closest friends, but they're, they're, they're the ones that we, can, we compete the most with. Yeah. All right, question six. Are there any other D1 programs that you pay close attention to? Oh, I pay close attention to all of them. Um, <laughs> I need to, uh, you know, there's, I will have to say, if there's a program that maybe went from not being very strong to being strong, um, I pay attention to them. I want to see, especially if it's a new coach, um, that maybe came from a maybe a smaller program and they've been brought up and, and they've become successful. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. I want to know what they're doing. Um, I want to see if there's something new that I that I haven't touched on or I haven't seen yet. So um, I'm usually looking at the, the ones that have um, maybe not been successful, had some type of a change and then now become successful and to see what see what they're doing. So that's yeah. so I pay attention to a lot of them. All right, question seven. If you could spend a day caddying for any professional golfer, whose bag would you carry? It'd have to be one of my former players, Brittany Altamari, Solheim Cup player, um, just because I think a uh, good friend of mine, enjoyer. I would love being on her bag. We'd have a lot to talk about, and I always learned something from her, and I think I still could learn a lot from her. Yeah. I bet that would be cool, caddying for a former player. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mind Tiger Woods too, okay? But I'm just... sure, sure. Maybe next year. He could you never join know. us. He <laughs> could join us, okay? Question eight: If you could excel in any other sport other than golf, what would you choose? If I could sell, I've always really wanted to be a roller derby. Um... <laughs> Okay, roller derby. I don't yeah. even know if that's a sport, but um, but my husband always laughs, and I, I I keep getting older and older, but I keep thinking I could still do roller derby, right? So yeah, roller yeah. derby, Josh. You know there was I think there was a league in Harrisonburg, not too far from here, like a women's <laughs> roller derby league. Yeah, that's great. That's not what I would have guessed, but it sounds okay. Like <laughs> All right, what is the last book that you read? Right now, I'm actually into um, uh, I'm into lots of podcasts. So um, I guess with the whole COVID thing, there so many people are putting out podcasts, Josh. Yeah. And finding a good podcast like this one that you really enjoy, I'm finding subjects that I like, and I'm going to and locating them on podcasts, and then and then really listening to them. So um, that's that's my app I'm on to every day. Yeah. You know, I spent so many years mowing a par three course, and I loved just listening to podcasts. I learned so much mm-hmm. while I was doing you something learned, You else. learned so much. Yeah. yeah. All right, final question for you. Mm-hmm. I haven't really spent much time in Winston-Salem area. What's the best restaurant? Like, what's your recommendation? Oh, so many good restaurants. I mean, <laughs> I love the restaurant at Old Town, so I go there quite a bit. The um, chef's really good there. I love um, uh, Fratelli's, which is a Italian uh, steak restaurant up the road. I love um, Village Tavern. I just went to my favorite bakery, which um, 
is um, lavender isn't the name of it. Ugh, I should know the whole name. So um, I love Thai food. So there's great Thai restaurants. There's great Indian restaurants. So I don't know if I could pick one, but there's a lot of good restaurants. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your insights. Is there anything that you would like to plug? I would love to plug, obviously, Wake Forest University. Um, fortunate to be here and love it. Um, also enjoyed UVA up there in the area that you are. But no, any junior golfer that's listening to this or any person that loves golf, um, just keep it up and, and just remember, a lie is a lie. Enjoy the bad ones as well as the good ones. Great. All right, to all my loyal listeners, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out gettingoffcourse.com to see the show notes or listen to past episodes. You can also send me an email at gettingoffcourse at gmail.com. Go Deeks. Thanks. Bye. Getting Off Course is presented by Par 3 Near Me. Visit par3nearme.com to find a Par 3 or executive golf course near you.